This is Dr. Cabrera with the Hearing Imbalance Center, and today you're listening to Aldersgate On Air. Welcome back, friends, to Aldersgate On Air. According to the National Institute on Deafness and Other Communication Disorders, approximately 15% of American adults age 18 and over report some trouble hearing. That translates to roughly 37.5 million people across the country. And to take it one step further, the strongest predictor of hearing loss among adults aged 20 to 69 is age itself, with the greatest amount of hearing loss attributed to those aged 60 to 69. Needless to say, if you're affected by one of the many forms of hearing loss, you're not alone. It should come as no surprise then that Aldersgate is working diligently to help provide solutions to its residents and team members. As such, the organization has partnered with local audiologist Dr. Tomas Cabrera to begin the process of providing on-site resources for those with hearing loss. So we invited Dr. Cabrera to join us today for a candid conversation about options, resources, advances in technology, possible legislation, and his partnership with Aldersgate in their commitment to honor elders. Hi, Dr. Cabrera. Welcome to Aldersgate On Air. Thank you so much for joining us today for this important and long overdue conversation. Yeah, Mike, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to, uh, to be a part of this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we dig into the meat and potatoes of kind of what we're going to be talking about today, if you could, for the listeners, please, Tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background, kind of what you do, and how you came to be associated with Aldersgate. Yeah, so I am uh, an audiologist. My name is Dr. Cabrera. For those listeners, you can call me Tomas. Um, I a, have been in the field of audiology now for about two years. I received my doctorate degree from a school in Philadelphia called Salus University upon graduating. My wife and I moved to Charlotte um, for some warmer weather, and unfortunately today we're, you know, we're at about 28 or 30 degrees. So I might have to go, fur- <laughs> I, I might have to go further south to Florida. We'll see. But um, <laughs> no, so we moved down to Charlotte. I uh, love the area. I was working at a small clinic um, in downtown. Had a chance to meet a few of the patients there. Um, come to find out, they are our residents at Aldersgate. After developing a rapport with them and kind of establishing some of their needs, you know, they've really expressed to me that they uh, sometimes travel and transportation can be a little difficult. I said, well, you know, you're not too far from our office. Why don't we come out and, 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 you know, see you guys there? Um, So we kind of got the got the wheel rolling there. And uh, here we are, um, you know, four, six months later, and we are uh, now visiting Aldersgate on a regular basis, providing service to those residents. Oh, that's outstanding. I love the idea of providing a centralized location, uh, making it convenient for people. Because as we know, sometimes, um, not even just as we age, but just people in general, we have a hard time making those commitments to take care of ourselves in those fashions to get to places that we need to go. So I think that this is a a really cool idea. And, you know, speaking of the aging population, obviously, as we as we get older, hearing loss does become more of a concern. And, uh, you know, I myself am a musician and have been for many years. And so it is a very big deal in the industry that I come from. So that's really cool. Um, we are going to talk about a lot of cool stuff today. Uh, we're going to talk about hearing loss. We're going to talk about tinnitus. 
we're going to talk about the things that uh, patients and people in the world are, are, are telling you about what they're experiencing. We're going to talk about the big fancy word called comorbidities. What does that mean? And, you know, which ones are associated with hearing loss? Talk about how to, how to impact your quality of life. Um, technology, quality of care, and current legislation. I know that's a whole ton of stuff, yeah, but yes, it it's, all Im- it's all important. And I think that uh, after just speaking with you for a few minutes, I can tell that you've really got your stuff dialed in. So I think that we're going to make this uh, an educational and informative conversation and also very approachable. So let's kind of, I guess, just dig in a little bit then. We'll start with hearing loss. Now, there's tons of different kinds of hearing loss and different causes. If you would just kind of uh, get the ball rolling for us, uh, we'd appreciate that. Yeah. So when we look at hearing loss, um, you know, we'll focus on a hearing loss that's permanent in nature, one that affects the nerve, um, is very common among our patients and, you know, some of the older populations. You know, it's essentially hearing loss that cannot be medically corrected. It's called uh, sensory neural hearing loss. And patients perceive it differently. A lot of patients with this hearing loss it's not that they don't hear sound. It's not that they don't hear volume. Uh, it's not that they, he- they don't hear someone speaking to them. They have difficulty discerning the consonants or understanding what people are saying. Um, so if someone around you says that they're not hearing you well, please don't yell into their ear like you have a megaphone. Um, <laughs> what, what they're, when they say what or huh or I didn't hear you, all they're looking for you to do is slow down, face them, look at them, and, you know, say clearly what, what you, you know, wanted to say. So that is, uh, you know, hearing loss in a nutshell. So it's not so much a matter of the hearing in and of itself as what's being heard and how that signal is being transmitted to the brain. That, that's exactly correct, right? Um, you know, as we age, right, our processing slows down a little bit. Um, so some things, you know, our senses just aren't as, as uh, in tune as they used to be. So sometimes our patients just need, hey, slow down, speak clearly. And once they have the chance to hear it and understand it and process it, then they got it and they're good to go. Yeah. So what are some of the treatment options and how do you combat that? If it's a kind of a permanent thing or getting to the stages of being a permanent thing, what can be done to make it easier to live with? Yeah. So I think um, when we think about how to compensate or cope with hearing loss, um, good proper communication strategies are very important. And that's kind of what we just touched on, right? Speak a little slower, speak clearly, uh, look at the person when you're speaking to them. Um, you know, we're, we are, uh, I've been told marriage counselors from our patients and that, um, that, you know, <laughs> we, we have our patients who, who want to try and talk to each other from different rooms. And we say, hold on, hold on, that's not going to work. Right? One of you has to come into the other room, get that person's attention first before you start speaking to them. Um, so that so that's so the communication strategies are very important. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, you know, if we have a significant hearing loss and we can't we can't function on a day to day basis, um, you know, hearing law or hearing aids may be uh, an appropriate option. Hearing aids, you know, in short, are working to increase or amplify the sounds that are deficient for us, uh, and, you know, make them a little bit easier to understand. Yeah. So we're going to talk about hearing aids specifically more in depth a little bit later on, but, but that's great to let people know that uh, technology is also there for you. And also to keep in mind, the hearing aids of today are not like the hearing aids of back in the day, right? They're quite a bit smaller, quite a bit more sensitive, very easy to use. You can use apps and all kinds of crazy stuff with them. So 
um, you know, it's, uh, you know, the word hearing aid anymore. It doesn't even, it's not even the same thing. I mean, we're, no. we're talking about a huge boost in, in lifestyle improvement. So we'll probably get into that stuff here again in a little bit. But what are some of the symptoms of, of actual hearing loss? I mean, obviously, that we have our times where maybe somebody is just not speaking properly or we're in a bad, boomy environment, something like that. But if you think there's actually something wrong, what might be some of the telltale signs? Yeah, so I think, um, and that kind of takes us right to our next point, right? What, what are our patients telling us here in the office? And that is that, uh, as I said earlier, a patient will come in and say, hey, you know, I'm having trouble with, with difficulty understanding people when there's a lot of background noise present. Um, having difficulty understanding the television. And what they'll tell you is it's not always about the volume, it's the clarity. And sometimes hearing loss is so progressive, we're not really familiar, you know, we're not really aware of how fast it's happening or how bad our hearing loss gets. It may be a family member who tells us, hey, you know, you're not hearing too well. The TV's turned up a little loud. So those are some difficulties in general communication situations. Obviously, symptoms directly associated with hearing loss, you know, one ear is significantly down from the other. We're not hearing well out of it can be a sign of, you know, something more serious going on. And then tinnitus, tinnitus is a very big one. Tinnitus in 90% of our patients, or excuse me, in 90% of patients who have tinnitus have some form or some degree of hearing loss. And so tinnitus is a direct correlation of resulting of hearing loss. And uh, number one, you said tinnitus, which tells me that I've yep. been saying it tonight is <laughs> saying it improperly for 47 years, but you know, uh, so it's tinnitus. And now is that, is that when you have the ringing in your ear, like the constant presence or is that something else? Exactly. And to that point, um, I believe it is correctly pronounced tinnitus, although due to different generations, we'll accept tinnitus for today. <laughs> All right. So, so I uh, passed today's test. You passed today's test. Yes. Um, so yeah, so the tinnitus itself is only a sound that we perceive, perceive it cannot be measured. Um, mm -hmm. and, and typically, right, you know, someone says I have a tinnitus and it's at a level of one or a level of 10, as far as intensity, you know, we have to take our patient for their word and say, you know, that's a subjective thing that only we can tell or we can understand. But yes, patients perceive it as a clicking, a ticking, a humming, a buzzing. Um, so they can perceive it very differently. Uh, but typically, it's result of damage to the ear. And what would cause that damage? Would that be long-term exposure to certain kinds of sounds or environments? Yeah. So um, in your case, you know, you may have experienced it throughout your life as a musician, being around loud noise, an isolated incident of, of noise exposure, um, or a long-term, you know, working in a factory, a warehouse for many hours a day can certainly are the most contributing factors of tinnitus. Um, other things that can cause it or, or trauma to the ear or the head, maybe we fall and we hit our head, you know, tinnitus results from that. And then uh, change in medication, you know, change in blood pressure medication can also affect some uh, tinnitus onset. It sounds like it's a, uh, unfortunately a pretty common thing. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just, it's something a lot of people out there in the world have. So you see it quite a bit in your day-to-day -day operations, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Tinnitus, there are uh, many, many patients who who have tinnitus and it's not diagnosed because they never go in to see someone. They just think, you know, it's normal. It's supposed to be there. Um, but then typically we get a phone call whenever it gets to a point that it's affecting their everyday life. 
So at what point then do you have an evaluation done to determine if this is actually a problem or if this is just, say, in your head and something you're going to have to just live with and it's not that yeah. big of a deal? Yeah. So I think um, any onset of tinnitus warrants an evaluation, uh, you know, Im immediately. You know, it's, it's always great to, to establish a baseline and say, okay, if, if, you know, this is a tinnitus, what can be caused? It? Is it hearing loss related? And if it's not hearing loss related, then we have to um, refer that patient out to have a full evaluation done. And is it progressive? Is it something that starts out small and gradually gets more predominant? Or is it kind of just come in, boom, there you have it, and it's just like that forever? Yeah, so it can change. Um, some patients who maybe, you know, as we said earlier, it kind of starts off, it's a very low sound. They're not really aware of it on an everyday basis. And then a few years later, they become more aware of it. Um, and now it's happening all day, every day, which is why I think it's a great idea to have an evaluation done immediately, because now we can get more information, be educated on it, and find ways to cope with it or compensate with it whenever it does become bothersome. Well, then moving on to the next point we're going to talk about, obviously, hearing loss is more than just an inconvenience. It can actually lead to other things that can affect your life in other ways. And we're going to bring up that big fancy word we talked about a few minutes ago, the comorbidities. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I think, um, uh, full disclaimer, I am not an MD. I have my clinical doctorate, you know, <laughs> so, so some of the things that we're going to talk about are not things that we directly treat on a day-to-day -day basis, or, you know, it's more information trying to educate our patients. Sure. So when we talk about the comorbidities associated with hearing loss, there are many different health uh, conditions that can be linked or correlated with hearing loss, not necessarily saying hearing loss causes one of these conditions or the other. But, you know, a very big one is diabetes. Diabetes, uh, uh, and actually an audiologist here in North Carolina, um, Kathy Dowd, she started the Audiology Project. The Audiology Project is aiming to draw more awareness to the correlation between hearing loss and diabetes. I don't have the the exact percentage off the top of my head, but we're talking possibly one in three patients with diabetes um, have some form or degree of hearing loss. We'll provide a link to that as well uh, in the show notes. Yes, yeah, so, right. So, so diabetes is a big one. Um, but then what I think our patients see a lot of is the dementia, the Alzheimer's, and and that's very important, right? Um, so. If we think about something like dementia or Alzheimer's, and we look at the factors that contribute to those uh, conditions, a lot of it has to do with um, isolation, a uh, loss of stimulation, meaning that that person, their brain is not being stimulated adequately. Well, then if we look at hearing loss, we think about hearing loss and we have normal hearing, we're hearing all the sounds around us. That hearing drops to a significant or severe level, there's a lot of sounds around us that are not getting to the brain, and that is also a loss of stimulation, right? Um, so, so we see a lot of correlation, a lot of links between the two. There's, you know, many, you know, a lot of research out there, especially out of John Hopkins, with new studies showing showing all these links and correlations. Yeah, I think that um, whether or not you know one is directly tied to the other, one's causal. You know, uh, the fact that those correlations do exist um, is plenty enough reason to to really kind of examine those those different elements. And I think that uh, 
you know, the depression and the isolation, not being able to communicate, feeling like you can't express yourself, feeling like you can't understand others is is hugely isolating for people. And especially for those that might already be susceptible to varying degrees of of either, you know, dementia or memory loss or mental illness or, you know, any number of things. So uh, I think that that's definitely an important correlation for people to be able to make. Yeah. Yeah. And we think about, you know, hearing loss, um, our patients with hearing loss who, let's say they're predisposed to dementia, if that hearing loss goes untreated, they will see an accelerated onset of that dementia uh, significantly faster than a patient who who uh, is, is, is treating that hearing loss, right? Because it's about getting stimulation to the brain, keeping the brain sharp, um, keeping ourselves active. That's absolutely, you know, spot on. So besides those elements of it, then this can affect your overall quality of life, right? Not just assuming maybe you're, you know, having memory loss or dementia or other things, but just your day-to-day, what you do can be affected by your hearing status. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we speak about quality of life, one of the the things that really sticks with me, you know, being in the field now for a few years, um, I had a patient come in to see me who was actually a member of a local retirement facility. And they told me when I moved into the facility, you know, we'll say eight years ago, the first three or four years, I loved going down to the dining room and interacting with my friends and having dinner. And they told me that uh, their hearing loss progressed so significantly that they actually stopped going down to the dining room for about four years they would eat by themselves in their room and um right that, that's that's the last thing we want to hear um you know but i think it really goes to show of how much the hearing loss can affect our patient's quality of life uh, which is something that we we always aim to fix and get our patient back in those situations that they love um, and have them interact with the peers. It's funny you mention that because I, I come from a culinary background and room design is a huge thing. Dining rooms, if you go out to a lot of the, the modern big restaurants, right? Super high ceilings, yeah. really big open concepts. And what happens with that, right? Sound just bounces, just goes everywhere. And all of the different frequencies and all the different sounds put together, clinking of plates and glasses and all that stuff creates an environment that makes certain frequencies difficult to hear. So, uh, you know, things that you can do um, uh, acoustically with rooms just just make a huge difference. So uh, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that that's kind of something people don't always think about when they're designing dining yeah. spaces, uh, at least commercial dining spaces. Every time I walk into a room and it's a, a restaurant for the first time or, a you know, a place for the first time and I, I go, wow, this is just one big open high ceiling room. I know for a fact that I'm going to be struggling to have a conversation and I'm relatively unaffected by hearing loss. I can only imagine what it's like for those who uh, really have to struggle with those conversations. Now, you mentioned uh, that you had some thoughts on holistic approaches to kind of improve the quality of life. Yeah. So when we think about a holistic approach, um, you know, we're speaking to understanding our patient uh, in every aspect of their life. When we see a patient in our office, it's not just, okay, what's the best hearing aid we can put you in? It's, okay, well, what are the situations that you're struggling in the most? And let's tailor those 
to your needs, right? Let's, let's find the best option for you based on the big picture, you know, that patient's needs. And then also holistically, you know, what other comorbidities, you know, do you have diabetes? Are you pre-diabetic? Um, do you have hypertension, you know, cardiovascular disease? Um, do you have dementia, early onset dementia or Alzheimer's? Um, so we really take everything into account to see uh, how we can treat that patient best. So it's not just a matter of jumping straight to the technology. It's a matter of really treating all of the areas that could potentially affect each other and, and determining an individual path that's right for a person and their lifestyle and, and where they're at. Exactly right. And I think everybody is, uh, should be treated as an individual. You know, we shouldn't say, oh, well, for this person, this works, so let's do this. Um, I think it needs to be uh, that that individual specific. Okay, let's take everything into account and let's move forward with this option. Speaking of technology, because we kind of touched that at the beginning, but you know, once we've established that holistic approach, obviously the number one thing that's going to come to everybody's mind is, you know, what device am I going to have to have in my head to uh, kind <laughs> of get, to get through the next stage of my life here. So let's talk about that. Today's hearing aids have come a very long way. Yeah, you know, so when we think about hearing aids, um, gone are the body-worn hearing aids, the big air horns that, you know, maybe we see in <laughs> pictures. You know, now if we think about a hearing aid, I mean, it is a few millimeters or centimeters in length. It's a very small, compact device that they're kind of stuffing all this technology into. You know, now we see rechargeable hearing aids. We see Bluetooth connectivity hearing aids that can be connected to a television, a cell phone. They can be controlled directly from the app on the phone. The hearing aids, when we think about the actual processor itself, it is scanning the environment, you know, hundreds of milliseconds. And it's looking for sound patterns and sound waves. And based on those sound waves, it's saying, okay, this sound wave is speech. This sound wave is noise. And it's processing all of this information and it's trying to elevate the speech to a level that is above or greater than the noise, right? Because even going back to the dining room, those noisy situations um, can be very difficult. So the hearing aids are working to process all that sound, break it down, and it is doing this. Uh, at every individual frequency. Um, because if we think about hearing loss, you know, we don't just have hearing loss. We have hearing loss affecting different frequencies to a, to a greater extent. It could be a very mild hearing loss or a significant hearing loss. And the hearing aid has to differentiate be between all that. Yeah, and uh, as you kind of touched on, it's also the technology can interpret those signals in practically real time. Um, and add, you know, elements of, of either frequency reduction, frequency boost, or overall environmental noise reduction, which, which is, is amazing that, you know, the, the hearing aids of yesteryear. Yeah. I had a, uh, an old boss back in the day, we worked in a restaurant and she had, uh, her hearing aids. They were like, you know, the big soup, the brown ones from back in the day, they oh, yeah. kind of like, like band-aids. Oh yeah. Um, and she uh, had a hard time with high frequency. So for instance, she would say, nobody is allowed to whistle around me. She couldn't have any high frequencies yeah. because it would cause feedback. And uh, that's just not so much a thing anymore, uh, at least to the degree that it was. No, and, and you're exactly right. Um, everything as far as the hearing, hearing aids have uh, expanded. Um, 
you know, every individual company has this new feedback suppression. So don't, gone are the days where you're sitting next to a family member and you hear their ear just kind of whistling. And, you know, I, I had some uh, patients in the past who they told me, oh, I got fit with hearing aids, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And, you know, they were holding their children and their grandchildren and their hearing aid would be whistling. And they would just have this scared and confused look coming from the children. Um, and, uh, so, 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 so gone are those days. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if your hearing aids are scaring the kids, it's time to yeah. move on to something yeah. else. Uh, exactly. so, yeah. and you, you have choices. I mean, you know, there's people that uh, have problems with things being in their ear. So there are some really cool over the ear options that kind of tuck in behind that are very non-noticeable. And I, I've seen quite a few of those popping up from time to time. Uh, what's your experience? Do you, you feel that people are preferring one over the other or are there advantages to one over the other? Yeah. So I think, um, so as you said, right, we have a, a hearing aid that will go over the back of the ear, a small wire that'll come down in the ear. And then we have a small hearing aid that just goes in the ear. Um, the pros and cons, the over the ear one definitely handles a broad range of hearing loss. Um, whether it's a mild hearing loss or a severe hearing loss, an over-the-hearing gate can take care of it. The over-the-hear hearing gate gives you a lot of those bells and whistles with the Bluetooth, uh, rechargeable, uh, control the hearing gate from the app on your phone. Uh, so I, I, I think personally that over-the-ear one um, is more beneficial for our patients. Now the in-the-ear one is a little more discreet if we can make it small enough, but that also depends on the ear canal anatomy. We have a very small ear canal they may not be able to fit those components into the ear. The in-the-ear one is very beneficial for retention, keeping the hearing aid on, keeping it in place. One thing our patients have had a very difficult time dealing with over the last two years during this pandemic is wearing masks. We've had quite a few patients who have lost their hearing aids by taking the mask off and pull, pulling it from the back to the front. Oh. It can catch the hearing aid and, and you know send it on its way. <laughs> So, right, but that's less, you know, so we tell our patients, if you're going anywhere, put the mask on in the car, take the mask off when you get back in the car, because the last thing we want you doing is leaving it in the parking lot, coming back to find it a few hours later, and it's, it's broken up into a thousand pieces. Yeah, that's a great call. I, I would have never considered the fact of how, how mask use can affect that. That's a, that requires a pretty high level of awareness, I think. It, uh, it to, does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we unfortunately had a patient lose their hearing aid this week. Thankfully, due to the advancement in technology, they were able to utilize a Find My Hearing Aid tab on their phone, and they ended up locating the hearing aid and saving themselves some money. So that's always a good thing. Just like finding your lost phone, folks, Find exactly. My Hearing Aid, that's uh, that's pretty epic. So yeah. who should people see in, in regards to uh, hearing difficulties? Do you go straight to an audiologist? Do you talk with your primary care first? How does that work? Yeah, so I think that uh, when we talk about quality of care, it's very important who we're going to for these decisions. There's a lot of great professions in the field, whether they're considered an HIS, a hearing instrument specialist, um, or an audiologist, or your general care, uh, your family physician, or an ear, nose, and throat physician. But I think what's most important is that we make sure that person is credentialed, that they're certified, that it's not just you know someone selling hearing aids out of the back of their truck on the street. So uh, <laughs> that uh, that does remind me real quick that I've seen those those TV ads right where it's got you know the guy who's sitting in the back of the room and he can't hear anything and his family is off in the corner doing something else and they're like 
buy this device off the TV and you'll hear, you know, so you're saying that's bad news. Of course. Right. I think, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that we're seeing on TV are considered amplifiers, right? Because amplifiers, um, you know, we're only going to treat a small range. I shouldn't even say treat. They may assist you for a small range of hearing loss. Some of them aren't regulated. You know, if they're not regulated properly and we turn them up too loud, now they can damage the ears or damage our hearing. Uh, so it's definitely a great idea. Speak to your family care doctor. Um, you know, call a local audiologist uh, and make sure that the person you're seeing is, is accredited. There was a, a topic that you had brought up I wanted to make sure that we touched on, which is does the average provider have your best interest at heart or do they have a separate agenda? Is there some kind of a corporate kickback these guys are getting for prescribing this or that what's going on there? Yeah. And that's, and I, and I appreciate you for bringing that up. Um, there are clinics or offices who do have certain partnerships in place with the large manufacturers to fit or sell or dispense a certain percentage of those hearing aids. There may be some sort of financial benefit. Uh, obviously, everyone's different. So I think that it's also important when we speak about who am I going to see for that hearing care provider, you know, directly ask them, you know, what do you recommend for me? And if that provider cannot say, well, we have five to six different options. I like these two for you um, for this particular reason. If they're just saying, well, we have one for you. This is it. This will be great. If they can't tell you why or give you proof or, or information, then uh, some red flags need to go up. Yeah. If, if you're only being provided one solution, um, that seems sketchy to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, we actually have a, a resident there at Aldersgate who um, we recently just got a new pair of hearing aids. Longtime hearing aid user, um, hearing, you know, worn hearing aids and actually a musician, right? So you musicians are, are a very special uh, a niche a niche patient. Your, your ears are a little too dialed in sometimes. But um, they, longtime hearing aid wearer, came in, tried a particular hearing aid, didn't love it. And we said, well, you know what? Let's come back in and let's try a different manufacturer. Uh, and they ended up loving it. And we said, great, well, let's go with that one. And we have the flexibility to do that because we're not tied to a single manufacturer and we can do what's best for our patients and, and give them what they want. Bottom line is you should have options. And, you know, so let's just say somebody tries option A and it doesn't work out. They should not feel like they're stuck with that forever, right? They should be able to go back to their audiologist or their doctor and say, listen, I'm, I'm having problems with this. Can we try something else? There is absolutely nothing wrong with doing that, correct? No, no, there should not be. Uh, you know, most clinics will give you a 30, 60, 90 day trial period. Typically, you would pay for the devices up front and you would pay for your time, the, the provider's time and services over that period. If the provider cannot get the hearing aids to your liking, then you should by all means be able to say, okay, you know, this one isn't great for me. It's not really working out. What are my options to try something else? There's a lot of people that they just assume that they've got their solution. They went, they saw their person, they got their device and boom, that's it forever. That's all I've got. And that's just, uh, that's just simply not the case. So now in today's world on, uh, we'll call it the general radar, as you put it, um, where are we in terms of like hearing loss awareness and just kind of what people think about that um, in, in the world? Where are we with that? Yeah. You know, so I would definitely say that, um, we're not where we want to be, um, but we are certainly headed in the right direction. 
you know, hearing loss itself, there are about 40, 30 to 40 million individuals in the U.S. currently who have a diagnosed hearing loss or maybe a hearing loss that's not diagnosed. They are estimating that number is going to significantly increase by the year 2050. Um, you know, obviously with some younger generations coming up, you know, listening to loud music, headphones, iPods, uh, AirPods all the time, working in loud noise, our military, our veterans. So we are seeing a, a uptick in the amount of people who have hearing loss. And just real quick, you know, May itself is also designated to the Better uh, Speech and Hearing Month. Um, so there's a lot of awareness being pushed out different times in the year. Hey, come out and get a hearing baseline. If you have different things that are affecting you, come in and get it checked out. Um, so we're getting there. And options for people, because obviously uh, hearing aids, I mean, they're, they're not the cheapest things in the world, right? So there's going to be a lot of people inquiring, you know, how, how is this uh, work through either my, my insurance? Is this out of pocket? I hear Medicare could potentially be an option maybe. Yeah, you know, so hearing aids are, you know, for a patient who has hearing loss, hearing aids could potentially be the third largest investment in their life. Okay. When we think about, when we think about a house, we think about a car, think about hearing loss or hearing aids, right? Um, hearing aids can range anywhere, from, you know, depending on the clinic, two to two, two to six thousand dollars typically, right? And that puts you around a four to five thousand dollar average. So the price can range when we think about options to to acquire a pair of hearing aids there are some insurance companies who do provide benefits a private benefit um, there are different third party companies associated with the insurance company so the insurance company would partner with you know we'll say company a over here and the insurance company will say hey we have a million um, clients under our insurance policy we want to offer them a specialized benefit utilizing your services. So this third-party company will call the hearing aid manufacturer and say, we have a million patients. Can you give us a good deal? They will. They can then lower that cost to the patients. Um, right. So those are two things. And then Medicare itself. So, you know, we hear a lot about the current presidential administration um, trying to pass the Build Back Better plan. Uh, within the Build Back Better, there was originally hearing, vision, and dental services provided under that. They have since got rid of the vision and dental. Um, hearing is still in that. Within that program, Medicare would provide some sort of benefit for our patients with hearing loss and hearing aids. They have not, obviously, they haven't gotten it passed. Um, they're still working to do that. They haven't given us any exact details, you know, as far as how much, what type of financial incentive is there. So hopefully, and we've been saying this for a long time, hopefully in the next, you know, two, three, four years, uh, there will be something put in place for our patients with Medicare. But worth noting that at least it's being discussed. It's been put out there to the world. The possibility does exist. So, um, you know, we, we can just always hope for the best and, and, uh, and want that stuff to move through. Yeah, you know, I think that we've um, we've definitely seen progress. I think we're definitely closer to having it happen than we were, you know, a few years ago. Uh, uh, to that point, another th uh, bill that was passed actually in 2018, they're still finalizing the regulations. This kind of shows you the time it takes, right? You know, we're four years now removed from the bill that Senator Warren passed, and that bill allows companies like Sony, Bose, 
you know, different, different large, large tech manufacturers to produce hearing like devices that can be sold directly to the consumer. That's an interesting angle. And I, I know Bose, for instance, is definitely a, a, a front runner in, in consumer grade audio technology, mm -hmm. you know, speakers and, and amps and, you know, all kinds of good stuff like that. So potentially under certain regulations, certain companies could be able to release devices that might, I guess, not replace a traditional hearing aid, but maybe bridge the gap. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And I think that um, bridging the gap is a great point. Uh, you know, those devices being sold directly to the consumer are going to be stripped down more sophisticated than an amplifier, but not quite to the level of, of, a, of a current hearing aid today. So something, maybe you notice something, you try out a device, uh, that device maybe works for a bit of time, and then you say, clearly there's an issue, I need to take this to the next level. Yeah, and I think um, to that point, right, you know, I think that maybe they're an issue. I think it's a great thing for our patients who are considering an over-the-counter option through like Best Buy or Walmart, or, you know, once those devices are in place, to still receive a comprehensive evaluation from an audiologist or an ear, an ear nose, and throat physician before you explore that route. Uh, sure. Because the last thing we want to see is someone thinking, you oh, know, I woke up one day, my hearing's down a little bit. Then they go to the store and they buy a device and they, oh, my hearing came back up a little bit. That works. And then they continue to use that for a few weeks or a few months or a few years. But what happened was maybe they had a sudden decrease in hearing loss. And one treatment option maybe could have seen to go to an ear, nose, and throat physician, get some sort of steroid injection that would have cured or brought the hearing back up. Um, so we definitely want our patients to still make sure they're getting a full evaluation if they think there's anything wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Consumer grade stuff is is it might seem enticing, but you do want to you want to be careful with it because, you know, hearing is clearly a very important part of life and it does affect you uh, in many ways once that starts to deteriorate. Now, if I am a friend or a family member or a close associate of somebody, what steps might I take if I if I see somebody might be having a decline in their hearing, you know, how do I approach that uh, in the proper fashion? Yeah, I think, I think that, you know, um, hearing loss for so long has been the stigma we've kind of danced around. And I think it's, it's appropriate to just be very upfront. And, you know, so let's say we have a grandparent, you know, go to that, you know, Hey grandma, you know, you're just not hearing very well. You know, a lot of us are, are straining to communicate with you. Um, we're finding you repeating yourself quite a bit. You know, if we think it's a good idea for you to kind of get your hearing checked out, um, I think I think when it, when in doubt, just address it directly. Get that person in for a full evaluation to, to really give you more information on what's going on and what could be the cause of it. Get to the point, folks. Uh, yeah, don't beat around it. the bush. That's it. You know, and, and, and the reason being is hearing loss affects so many of us, not just the person who has hearing loss. Right. A lot of the time we see our patients, family members, get them into the office and say, hey, listen, I'm going to kick this person out. Right. I can't do it anymore. We can't we can't communicate. Um, so, so it's important that um, people with hearing loss understand that it affects everybody and those around that person with hearing loss. It's important to address that concern with them. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're a person with hearing loss, don't worry at this point. I mean, the stigma that was once surrounding it, it's just not really an issue anymore. There are so many things to help you improve your quality of life. And so many people out there are in the same position. Yeah, you know, it's funny when I, you know, obviously 
being an audiologist, I see um, many hearing aids out when I'm out throughout the course of my day. And I, you know, I don't, I don't look for them, but I'm obviously I'm more uh, aware to notice them. Sure. I'm always tempted to ask, you know, hey, hey, what are those? What are you wearing? Do you like them? You know, what features do you like? And I have to kind of tell myself to relax a little bit and, uh, you know, because <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know how they feel about the hearing loss. Plus some random dude coming up to him on the street <laughs> and just like, hey, why is this guy talking to me about my hearing aids? So, yeah, yeah. So then now that you've established uh, with us kind of all of the um, environmental and cultural things around hearing loss and things that might be associated with it. Um, what, uh, what final words of encouragement or advice would you like to leave with the Aldersgate on air listeners today? Yeah. You know, I think it's important for our patients and anyone who thinks they have some hearing difficulty to understand that you're not alone. There's millions of uh, Americans in the United States who deal with the same thing. But as we said earlier, there's many avenues to, to get your hearing checked out find a treatment option. It is not normal for you to sit at a dining room and not be able to interact with the person you're sitting across to. It's not normal for you to not be able to interact with loved ones. It's not normal for your television volume to be at 100 when it could be at 20 or 30, right? <laughs> so I think that um, if we are changing our, our daily habits, right, we don't want that, right? We yeah. need to get the hearing checked out, get a hearing test and see what's going on. And if you're a uh, senior living community or a restaurant or a dining establishment, a cafeteria, treat your room, hang some curtains, put up some acoustic tiles, you know, try to try to eliminate some of those reflective surfaces. And you can do that in your own homes as well, relatively inexpensively. Um, even a trick that we do in the recording studios is, you know, we hang rugs and carpets and things uh, in the environment to to help dampen sound. So that's definitely um, a really approachable way that uh, that businesses and communities can can help um, with uh, folks that are are having some kind of hearing loss, especially in dining avenues. It's, it's yeah. fantastic. So yeah. now you're doing um, some of this stuff on site with Aldersgate. Are we on a regular schedule yet? Is there something that somebody might be able to look forward to, or yeah. how do they go about taking part in that? Yeah, so I think for many of the residents at Aldersgate, um, we've had the chance to interact with some of them. Where we are at now is in the process of setting a schedule for those residents. Um, but for our residents who are already patients, um, just know that we'll be there soon. We'll be there to see you. Uh, for the residents who are inquiring about getting a hearing evaluation, um, that is in the works. We are hoping to be on site um, at least two times a month. Uh, to see those patients on a regular basis. Um, and then those patients also know that if there's a time we can't get in to see them, they have the ability to come see us. Well, uh, Dr. Cabrera, this has been very enlightening, very eye-opening, very ear-opening, right? So exactly. uh, thank you so much for joining us today. And I, I think that this is going to be some amazingly helpful information for folks out there in the world to uh to take that next step and to take care of themselves so it's been an honor talking to you my friend yeah well thank you so much i really appreciate it and i think that you guys are doing a great thing with um aldersgate on air i've had the chance to listen to some of the, the, the podcasts you've done in the past and i think you know if we can continue to educate our patients and the consumers and the residents um it's better for everyone 
Thank you so much. I look forward to talking to you again in the future once everything's up and going. Yeah, of course. Hey, thank you so much. You bet. Another amazing conversation. I'm glad we had this opportunity. And thanks, as always, to all of you for listening. It really does mean the world to us. And since we've dedicated this episode to those with hearing loss or to those who know someone who is living with hearing loss, I wanted to take a moment to mention that we also fully transcribe every episode of Aldersgate On Air. So no one has to miss out on the important messages that we're sharing with the world. Simply visit the Aldersgate website at aldersgateliving.org and click on the What's Happening link at the top right of the homepage. There, you can go to the dedicated podcast section that has all of the episodes and transcriptions. And by popular request, we're also working very hard behind the scenes to bring you more episodes this year. You asked we're answering. We've got some really amazing things planned, rest assured, but we need your help getting the word out. So in addition to subscribing to the show and liking all the pages on social media, please share the episodes with your friends, family, and colleagues, and also leave us a review on your favorite streaming platform, especially iTunes and Apple Podcasts. The more reviews we get, the higher we show in the search rankings, and that will allow us to reach more people and grow the show every little bit helps so thank you so much for your support and we'll talk to you again soon at aldersgate on air